You're listening to RUF at UT Podcast. You're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And you are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. For more information, go to www.utk.ruf.org. Please join me in the reading of God's Word. This is Psalm 19, 7-11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. And then John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by Jesus you may have life in his name. So if you've been with us this semester, we've been walking through uh, this word and this subject called sanctification, which is just the Bible's word for how people change, this lifelong process of how God graciously transforms us into the people that we were created to be. And the last few weeks in particular, we've looked at what we would call the means of sanctification or the ways in which God changes us, the things that He uses to change us. We've looked at community. We've looked at prayer. Um, tonight, we're going to look at reading the Bible and interacting with Scripture. Um, and so last week, if you were here, Matt compared this idea of sanctification to the art of sailing, uh, very apt analysis and um, analogy, uh, meaning that like, the one thing that is most necessary to sail is the wind. Uh, and in this analogy, that, that's God's presence and that's His work, right? Like, we can't control the wind, but what we can do is implement certain things in our lives to kind of ready our ships, if you will, to kind of catch that wind. Things like hoisting the sails, right? Aiming the rudder, things like that. So that when the wind does blow, that we actually move and that things actually happen. Um, and so tonight I want to attempt to look at God's Word and how the reading and preaching of it is another one of those things that we can do to kind of help ready our ship, if you will, which is like really daunting and intimidating to talk about um, because I'm pretty sure like I lead the pack when it comes to like not doing this well and like relating healthily to the Bible. And so just real quick, like we always hope that the RUF staff uh, are people that are leading in humility with these areas that like we too are on this lifelong process of sanctification with y'all. Um, like we struggle to read and to obey and to pray. Um, and we want to be people that you can kind of like talk to about that and walk through those things with, not necessarily people who just always have the right answer, although we do have to have a few right answers sometimes. Um, and so in no way, shape, or form, right, like is this next 30 minutes going to just fix all the problems that we have uh, with our relationship to the Bible, um, all these frustrations and problems that we kind of come to it with. But maybe God would be gracious um, to meet with us here and help us to begin kind of to see how to relate to His Word a little bit more like we should. Um, so let me pray for us real quick before we dive in. Um, 
Father God, I'm thankful for all these people. And Lord, we just need your spirit. We need your help. Um, Without your spirit working in our hearts, um, this is just someone at the front of a room talking. And so would you um, be gracious and give your spirit to us so that you might open our ears and our hearts so that we might see you and know you better because of this. Um, It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Um, So at UNC... Bart Ehrman, Charlie, this is why you should stay at UT. Uh, there's a professor uh, named Bart Ehrman. He's a religious studies professor at UNC. And he kind of begins his semester classes the same way. You may have heard the story. He'll, he'll ask the room to like raise their hand if they would identify themselves as a Christian. So you get like a smattering of hands kind of here and there. Um, which this is not something that this guy believes. Like he, he's not a Christian. He's just kind of trying to prove a point. Um, and so the next question he asks is like, how many of y'all have read like all of the Harry Potter books? And then like a billion hands shoot up because Harry Potter transcends religious cultural bounds. Um, and it's great. But, but then after that, he kind of addresses the Christians again. He says, well, how many of y'all have like read the entirety of like the Word of God? Like how, how many of y'all have read the entire Bible? A lot fewer hands pop up. Um, and his point is simple, right? Like Harry Potter is great to read. We love it. It's easy and it's fun. Um, but if we really thought that like something was given to us from God and that like we had a way to hear from Him, wouldn't it make sense that we would actually want to like invest time in reading it? And it sounds like that's kind of like a shaming, like, ooh, you should be reading your Bible. Um, but it's really not meant to be. But like we do kind of have to admit that we live in this world where kind of like the, the primary goal is to be entertained. Uh, and if we're being honest, like when we come to the Word of God in Scripture, we're just not that entertained. And so maybe tonight we can kind of unpack why that's the case. Um, And so I want to look at three things. I want to look at what Scripture is not. I want to look at what Scripture is. And then I want to look at how Scripture might actually change us. So what Scripture is not, what it is, and then how it might change us. Um, I talk to y'all about this all the time. I talk to my friends about this this week. Like Whenever we kind of ask someone like, how is your relationship with the Bible? Uh, the answers are pretty uniform across the board. Things like, you know, it's not where it should be. I could always be reading more. Um, I'm not really sure, like, how to read it or where to start. Like, I feel lost. I don't really know what to do. Um, and then just, like, a laundry list of things that kind of sound like that. And I think that there's a lot of factors that kind of play into why we feel that way when it comes to the Word of God. Because I think a lot of times we come to God's Word and we read it and we spend time with it and we think about it and then like nothing happens, right? Like we don't like feel anything. Um, it's not always exciting. Maybe it's never exciting for you. We don't like see fruit from it. Um, or maybe you have a hard time like reading things in Scripture, maybe especially the Old Testament and seeing like how in the world those things apply to you or matter. Like the stories in Genesis or the history of Israel or like the crazy laws in Leviticus. Like you know, what do we do with those? And like, we're kind of just scratching our heads as if, you know, to, to think like, like, how does this apply to me? Um, or maybe you're like me and it's, you kind of approach the Bible the way you approach like the gym and like eating healthy, which is like, you know, you should do it, but like no part of you wants to, right? You're like, I know this is good for me, um, but I just really want to, you know, don't want to do it. Maybe like one day down the line, I'll get into it and kind of have the like Bible body that I want. This like ESV study Bible six pack of knowledge. Um, but it's hard and like we don't really know what to do, so we just kind of like avoid it. We just kind of keep putting it off like maybe one day I'll get to the Bible. And if any of that describes you, like you are in good company. Like there's good news because I think it describes all of us. Like 
We all need help in this area. Um, But I think maybe why this is the case for some of us is that for most of us, we have a skewed and broken view of what God's Word is and what it's actually supposed to do for us and be for us. And so because of these flawed expectations that we bring to the Bible, we often leave disappointed and disillusioned, and it just kind of stays on our shelf collecting dust. And so imagine if someone walked into PCB expecting like world-class, five-star, Michelin-level dining. I'd be content and probably pretty happy. But most people, if that's what they're expecting to get from PCB, they're going to be super frustrated. Um, And I can't believe I'm comparing the Bible to PCB. But if we approach the Bible as something that it is not, then we're always going to be left wanting and frustrated with our time in it. Um, so real quick, I'm stealing like all this from a guy named Les Newsom. He was a campus minister at Ole Miss like a billion years ago. Sorry if you're listening. Um, and so he says that he feels like 95% of most people's objections to and frustrations with the Bible come because they're wanting it to be something it's not. And so the Bible is not primarily supposed to be a science textbook, you know, like It's not supposed to answer every question that we have about like the visible world around us. That not, that doesn't say, that, that's not to say that it's unscientific or that it's anti-science. That's just to say that that's not the Bible's primary purpose. In a similar way, it's not just like a philosophical book, right? Like it, it can't defend every argument against it. That's not what it was supposed to do. Like I wish there was like a first proof 316 that you could just like open and show someone it's like boom there it is like God's real the end you know um, again not its purpose um, the Bible's not just a, a, a fact book about God although it does contain facts about God uh, scripture is is interested in much more than just intellectual knowledge um, man this the Bible is not just like a pill that we can kind of take once a day, you know, that like maybe spending 15 minutes in it is just going to like give you ultimate happiness and peace and everything's just going to kind of start going your way. You're going to like instantly stop sinning just because you're like reading the Bible every day. Like that's not its function. It's not its purpose. Um, man, and, and this last one is one, the one I think I'm the most guilty of is that we come to the Bible hoping that we can like curry favor with God. That like if we spend time in his word and like, you know, actually come to the Bible that he'll he'll give us what we want to be like, oh man, look at this guy. He's reading the word. Give him a good grade or a girlfriend or I don't I don't know, whatever he wants. <laughs> and so there are these like there are these two pitfalls, I think, these two ditches on either side of the road that I want us to avoid. And so one ditch, one side, is to like come to the Bible wanting it to be something that it's not and having expectations for it that it was never supposed to fulfill. Um, but the other side is to never come to it at all, right? And, and we live in this world, and like I, I'm like I'm a big fan of this, right? We, like, we love authenticity, and we love sincerity, um, and so like we so rarely do things that we don't like really want to do because we're afraid of like being inauthentic or being fake, um, and so we have a temptation to never move towards God's word at all. And if we wait until like you're primary motivations and reasons for spending time in the Word are like pure and, and, and holy and right, like you will rarely, if ever, come to the Bible. I would actually argue the Bible's meant to give you those um, right desires, that you don't have to have them to come to it. Um, so kind of with those two ditches and, and what the Word of God is not, well, let's look at what the Word of God is 
Best place to do that is in the Bible. What does the Bible say about the Bible? Um, in 1 Timothy 3, 16, um, you might know this verse. It's a pretty famous one about Scripture. It just says that, this is Paul writing, and he just says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. And that's like a pretty audacious statement if you think about it. That like some of y'all are holding books that claim to be that like from cover to cover, every word is like the word of God. Like that's a huge claim that the Bible is God's word to us. But like what does it mean for something to be God's word? Well, again, in Scripture, it says that um, out of our mouths comes the overflow of our hearts. I don't know if y'all have heard that before. Basically just meaning that like what we say, right, like things that we things that we say are usually reflective of kind of what's in here, the things that we most supremely want and value and desire. And so if the Bible is like the words that are coming out of God's mouth, then it would make sense that the Bible is, is how we see what's in God's heart. That the Bible is actually a reflection of who he is. And this has to like change everything about how we relate to Scripture and how we talk about God. Um Leslie Newbigin uh, is this like great British theologian. I don't know if y'all are familiar with him. Another like old dead white guy that I like, um, and he kind of he kind of puts it this way: he, he, Imagine that you're at, like a party in the fort, and you and some friends are like talking about someone, and they're not there, and you're saying things like, "Well, you know, like I like I like this about John. I, I feel like John is a lot like this." Or, well, you know, when John did that, I feel like he was probably doing it because, you know, he just really likes this and this or wants this and this. Uh, and then imagine all of a sudden in your conversation, John, like, walks up to your group and starts participating. Like, that would have to change everything about how you're conversing. And so in Scripture, like, God has kind of walked in to our cocktail party in the fort, if you will. Um, and he calls us out of these, like, speculative kind of like polite conversations about who he is and what he might be like. And he confronts us and he asks us, who do you say that I am? And so like, do we ever do that? Like, do we ever come to the Bible and expect to be confronted with who God is and have to deal with that God instead of maybe the one that we've kind of conjured up in our head that we like better? And the reason it's important to know who God is, like truly, is, is this. Richie Sessions, some of y'all might be familiar with him, RUF campus minister at Vanderbilt. Uh, he was telling a story one time about a student that he was meeting with, meeting with, sorry. Um, and this student was like, you know, Richie, like every Friday night, I'm putting back like 12 Milwaukee's best or something like that. And I'm just like tired of it. And I want to change, but I don't know how to. And, like, I really wish I could stop, but I, I just, like, need help. And, and Richie's response is really funny. He asked him, like, how would you describe God? Which is kind of a funny thing to say to someone who just wants to, like, cut down on beer. Um, <laughs> but he says, like, how would you describe God? And the student says, like, some things that are right. You know, he says, like, I believe that God is, like, creator, and he's all-knowing, and he's all-powerful, he's omniscient. Like, he sees everything, he knows everything, he can do anything. And all that's great, but... This student's response about who God is had nothing to do with like love or tenderness or compassion or gentleness. And so like if that's our view of God, then like, yeah, a twelve pack of beer on Friday is gonna win like every time, you know? Like why would we ever want to like follow a God like that if he's just Santa Claus without compassion? 
And so the purpose of the Bible is to communicate to us who God is, which is amazing in, in, in one sense, just the fact that there is God and that He wants you to know who He is, right? Like that He, he didn't just stay separate. He actually like wants to be known. And that He's given us a book to help us do that. Um, but more than a book, He's given us a person, right? He's given us this person named Jesus Christ. Uh, in Colossians 2, Paul says, that for in Him, in Christ, the whole fullness of God dwelt bodily. Meaning that like, if you want to know what God is like, you cannot know it apart from the person of Jesus. Like, If you want to know who God is like, you have to look at Jesus. But not only to merely know about Him, but to actually believe who the Bible says that He is so that we might have life. Um, in one of the verses that Jerry uh, so eloquently read, he said in, in John 20, verse 31, that these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in His name. But so what do we do like, with all these words that, that show us who God is? Um, and I want to suggest that we eat them, um, that we actually consume them. I don't know why y'all aren't like ripping pages out of the Bible and... Anyway, okay. Um, no, but like, so I, I think we, we need to relate to Scripture the way that we relate to food, uh, which is really good news, right? Because like we all love food a lot. Let's pray. Amen. Um, go home and read your Bibles. But the point that I'm trying to make is like, we don't, we don't just like eat every once in a while, you know? Like, and there's comfort there because like, the Bible is meant to be come back, like we're supposed to come back to it all the time. Like when you eat, you get full, your body gets what you need, you get nourished, and then you go on your way. But then like a few hours later, you, you need it again. You're hungry again. But yet we don't feel guilty about being hungry again, but we do kind of feel guilty about like not spending enough time in the Word. Um, but like another thing, like do you, do you remember what you had for dinner on Monday night? And so, but it, if you're here tonight, it means that you ate something and that it sustained you and that it, that it kind of brought you through your life. Um, meaning that, like, you're not going to remember, like, every sermon that you hear, right? And, like, you're not going to remember every interaction that you have with God's Word. It's not always going to be this, like, completely, like, dynamite, shatter you completely experience. I mean, we hope that happens occasionally, right? Like, Food is incredible. We hope that we have like really great meals that are super memorable and that stick out to us. And we hope that our interactions with God's Word is the same. But like ultimately what we need is just to, to be sustained, to just to be kept alive. Um, and so if the Bible's like a lot like food, <laughs> to kind of keep this analogy going, uh, I want to ask like what kind of food it is and what it tastes like uh, and how it nourishes us. And, and I want to say that all of Scripture, we believe at RUF, like all of Scripture, the entirety of it, is offering to us this thing called the gospel. And so that everything in the Bible is kind of flavored by this, seasoned by this. It's like the meat and potatoes uh, of what you're supposed to get. Um, like, it should be the main course of kind of like every time we come to dine with the Word, if that makes sense. Um, and the gospel is just good news. It's just a word for good news. And what's great about that is good news exists outside of yourself. Like when you hear news, rarely did you do anything to like make it happen. You know, 
Like you're being presented with data and you're just like asked to respond to it. Like how are you going to react to this? And so in the greatest small group in the history of all small groups, in Luke 24, Jesus is like risen from the dead and he's gathering with his disciples to open what they would call Moses and the prophets, which is just all of the written word of God that they had up until that point. Basically what we call the Old Testament. And so Jesus sits down with them and he opens uh, the entirety of the Old Testament. And Scripture says that he opens their minds to see that every single thing in the Old Testament was about him and was pointing to his coming. That Jesus is the physical fulfillment of what was promised in the Old Testament. Um, and so every word is supposed to point us to our need for Jesus, but also the fact that we have Him. And this is the whole narrative of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. It all tells a story to show us the lengths that God would go to um, to save His people. That He loves creation so much that He would stop at nothing, not even the life and death of His Son on a cross, to secure His greatest treasure, which, believe it or not, is you and me. But how does Scripture change us? So if we've looked at what Scripture isn't and what Scripture is, how does, how does that actually change us? How does interacting with the Bible actually change our heart? Um, I think it changes us in two ways. I think one, it gives us rest. Um, sorry, one, I would actually say, it gives us a renewed view of ourselves. Two, it gives us rest. Still gives you rest, just not first. Um, <laughs> And so if you know me like pretty well at this point, like one of my weird kind of quirks is that like I really love like heavy music. Um, like I love hardcore and would love to talk with you about why it is a genre that you should not overlook uh, and that it is more than what you think it is. Um, but one of my favorite bands growing up and even today is this band called Have Heart. It meant a lot to me. And they have a line in one of their songs that makes me think about sanctification a lot. And it stuck with me for a long time. It says, it is so hard to think and it is so hard to change when this world doesn't see me any other way. And I think that this is so true for most of us in this room tonight that we, we have let other people's opinions of us um, dictate how we see ourselves um, and we've let kind of the world's idea of who we should be and what we should do kind of like infiltrate us. Um, and so kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think we live out this narrative that we've been given, right? And so like other people's words about us or the world's words about us, we kind of like just grow into them. We just kind of take them, you know, um, as truth. And so when we come to the Bible, I think ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to let God do the talking. Like, opening Scripture is the difference in, like, listening to yourself versus, like, letting God, like, talk to you. Um, how many of y'all watch This Is Us? Just curious. Oh, let's go. I don't. Um, I have seen, I've seen one episode uh, with my roommate Wally back in the day. And, um, but the episode I saw, obviously providential, because um, it was great. And... and so it's about this family, right? Um, it's told in like two timelines. But one of, the, one of the members of this family is a daughter named Kate. Uh, and she's like applying for the singing competition. Honestly, I don't know a lot about it. I don't know anything about it. Um, but, but I do know she's in the final round of applicants in this episode. She's, she's being asked to submit original songs to kind of make it to the next round of this and of this competition. And so her dad wants to like videotape her singing. 
But she's super persistent that she just wants to record an audio tape. Like she does not want to be seen at all. But he kind of goes behind her back anyways and starts to film her. Um, but she like sees him like through a crack in the door or something, like freaks out and gets really mad. Um, but as he's apologizing to her, he says, I thought that if you saw how great you were, you would rethink sending in a video. Um, and when he apologizes, he says that like it would break his heart if the reason that she didn't want to be filmed was because she doesn't realize how beautiful she is. And But she stops him before he can even finish, and she says, she doesn't see herself the way that her father sees her and that no one else sees her that way either. And, and for her to actually like hear her dad tell her how he sees her, like it just hurts. Like She says like she needs him to stop trying to get her to see herself that way. And so her narrative for her life and for her worth are not lining up with what should be the most important voice that she has in her life. And so later in the episode, she comes to her dad. She's kind of got the tape in her hand. She found, you know, what he recorded. And, he, and she kind of hands it to him, and she says, um, you know, she explains that she watched the tape. And she says, please don't ever stop. Never stop trying to make me see myself the way that you see me. And it took her seeing herself through the lens of her dad's eyes before she could start to feel beautiful and so I say that because, like, this is, what, this is what reading the Bible is supposed to be like. Like, when Jerry read that the word of the Lord is supposed to revive the soul, like, this is how that happens. Like, every time we open the Bible, we are inviting God to help us to see ourselves the way that He sees us. When Jesus gets baptized in Matthew 3, God says, like, when this, I'm imagine this, like, booming voice from heaven. He says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And so opening Scripture is, is a way for hopefully for us to hear God say the same thing about us, that tonight if we are in Christ, like if that's where our faith is, if that's where our trust and hope is, um, that all that is true of Jesus is true of us. And so maybe we could start living as a child whose father is well pleased with them because it's what's true about you. Um, and so if the Bible can hopefully maybe help us to see ourselves differently, I think that in that it can also finally allow us to rest. Um, in Luke 10, Jesus is interacting with these sisters, Martha and Mary. You might be familiar with this. Um, and Mary is just kind of like sitting outside with Jesus, like listening to Him talk. Um, and it says that Martha is inside and she was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Like, tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, that which will not be taken away from her. And so like, as Christians, I think it is so tempting to kind of see that story and kind of praise Martha, right? You're like, she's the one doing all the work. Like, she's the one serving in the house. Like, yeah, she should be angry that Mary's just like hanging out outside with Jesus. But we're living in this like Martha world. I think especially as Christians, we're living in a world where we're viewing ourselves through the lens of what it is that we bring to the table. Like, what am I doing for God? Like, it's the American dream mixed with Christianity, and it's just wrong. And it's killing us to just like work hard and accept nothing and like do it all. And in this text, I mean, Jesus makes it clear that there, there's one thing that is necessary in this life, according to Jesus. And that is just like sit at his feet and to learn from him. 
And so instead of maybe asking, like, how can I be better? What more can I do? How can I know I'm doing enough? Maybe when we, when we approach Scripture, maybe we can ask, like, how can I know this Jesus better? And that maybe, like, that would actually lead to real lasting change. Maybe the key to change is just spending time with Jesus in His Word, befriending Him, um, and getting to know Him, and allowing Him to kind of, like, be the voice that, like, ultimately augments our life, you know? For Him to be the voice that kind of is the undercurrent of our entire reality. Um, And so last thing is just kind of like maybe a little bit of like hopefully a helpful practical application, kind of like a where do we go from here type thing. Um, Derek Thomas, this like Welsh guy, um, yeah, he, um, I was watching a video of his about how to kind of make the most of our devotional life. Uh, And he said some really great things. These are all his things, not my things. Um, First off, it's super important to not fall into a works-based view of your devotional life. Meaning that like, it is super important to not start thinking that like God's approval of you and your right relationship with Him depends on like how much time you're in the Word and like how good it was and like how sincere you were, right? Um, like we are not saved and we are not loved because of the quality of our quiet times. That's the case, we're all super doomed. Um, but we are creatures of habit, right? Like, we were meant for routine and for structure. Um, and so there is something to be said, like Matt said last week, like there's something to be said um, about setting aside time to, like, be with God. Again, if we're going to relate to it like food, like, I try to eat, like, five times a day. Uh, and so, yeah, to just kind of, like, try to orient our days around finding time to, like, hear from God. Um, and that's important because, like, what we love shapes what we do. Like, you know this in your own life. Like, what you love to do will always win over what you ought to do and what you should do. Um, kind of going back to the whole, like, gym, cookout, healthy thing. Like, yeah, I, I love trash food, and I will always want that instead of something better. Um, but what's also true, is, like the opposite is also true, that what we do shapes what we love. And so our saving faith gives us this new love for Christ, and sanctification is, is actually about bringing our lives kind of in line with that, like putting off old habits and putting on new ones and trying to do things that actually reorient our hearts to love the thing that we were supposed to love. Um, it's this idea of liturgy, if you want to get super nerdy, that like, yeah, that everything that we do in our life kind of is, is participating in shaping our hearts to love certain things. Um, the next thing is to be realistic. Like, there is gospel and forgiveness for our sad, sorry, devotional lives. Like, there is enough guilt in this world already without us having to add to it. So, like, be forgiving with how you fail to do this perfectly. Um, the next thing is to kind of, like, find devotional material that is helpful, that, like, does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. 
Uh, and again, like me, Matt, Ellie, we would love to like talk to you maybe about some of those things. Um, maybe something that has the scripture already ready for you, has like a commentary with it, even has like a suggestion for how you might pray. Like I love Tim Keller, all things Tim Keller. And he's got these great readers about like spending time in the Psalms and spending time in the Proverbs. And it's just great to kind of like have help, right? To like understand what it is I'm reading and what that means for me. Um, man, and if you hate the Old Testament, join the club and... The Jesus Storybook Bible is incredible. I can't give like enough recommendations for it because it kind of walks you through those stories and, and shows you like how Jesus is actually in that and how it's pointing us to him, him coming. Um, man, yeah, so ask us. Like, we want to help. Again, like, we don't have the right answers, and, and we're on this journey with you all, but we want to talk about these things. And so finally, like the last thing I'm going to say to you all, thank you all for being so gracious to me tonight. Um, yeah, like Matt said last week, like this is not supposed to be a time where we just like heap on shame for the way that y'all are like failing to like read the Bible as much as you should or the way that you should. Uh, but instead, we want to offer like a sweet invitation to know and commune with our Creator. And I can promise you that God wants to show you who He is in His Word more than we want to receive it. Um, and see him, and that and that is really good news um, for broken people who have a hard time coming to God's word and trying to hear from Him. So, let me pray for us real quick, and then the band will come up here. So. Um, Father God, I'm just thankful uh, that you are a God who wants to be known, and that you've uh, allowed us to know you through your word. And um, Father, I just pray that somehow, maybe tonight, we would be able to start over again and again and again. Um, that we wouldn't feel guilty uh, about how long it's been since we've pursued time with you and your word, and that we wouldn't let shame and things that we've done drive us away um, from pursuing knowing you um, and knowing you as our Father and seeing your Son Jesus as, as our Savior. And so um, I just pray that you would give us, give us desire um, to want to know you and spend time in your word. Um, thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.